using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags, always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm and Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Influence Change at Work show for Friday, May 27th, 2016. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence change at Enclaria. You can find more episodes like this one, plus additional resources to help you influence change at work at Enclaria.com. Today, my guest is Dan Pontifract, who joins us from Victoria, Canada, to share how to enable change with the purpose effect. Dan is Dan Chief Envisioner of, of TELUS Transformation Office, a future of work consulting group that helps organizations enhance corporate culture, leadership, purpose, learning, work styles, and collaboration practices. Dan is a passionate leader in the leadership and social collaboration technology spaces, and he helps organizations move from traditional cultures to healthier ways of working. Dan is the author of Flat Army, and he has presented at multiple TED events, writes on Forbes, Harvard Business Review, and the Huffington Post, and has appeared on the front covers of TND Magazine and Chief Learning Officer Magazine. His new book, The Purpose Effect, Building Meaning in Yourself, Your Role, and Your Organization, was published earlier this month. Dan, welcome to the show. Heather, it's a pleasure. How are you? Great. Awesome. Let's rock. So let's start with the obvious question, which is what is the purpose effect? Well, it's uh, not a steamy novel, uh, so it's you know <laughs> not going to be something that you want to uh, think about how re- relationships work between man and woman or woman and woman or man to man, but it is about you, and it starts with you. So purpose, I think, and what I've I hope proven within this uh, body of work is, is at times nebulous for people They're like, what the heck's purpose? Do I need it? Should I have it? You know, uh, the purpose driven life, um, mm-hmm. the purpose of life. So there's all these types of questions, but what I've found is that, you know, the purpose effect revolves around a Venn diagram and it starts with you. So the first circle at the top is your personal purpose. So this is, you know, what you're about. So what are, what are your likes, your dislikes, your interests? What are your passions, your values? Uh, it starts there. And then you kind of have to ask a couple more questions of yourself. Uh, who am I and who am I going to be as I continue to grow and prosper in life? And I think the most important question, the third one is, how am I going to show up each and every day in my life? And so, so it starts there. And, and, but the thing is, what often many books stop at is they sort of investigate you and give you all these tips and tricks for being a better person. But as it turns out, Heather, both you and I work. You mentioned I work at TELUS as the chief envisioner. I've worked ever since I graduated university. So there are two other types of purpose, and I think we need to really be uh, cognizant of those two. So we have to work in an organization, whether it's not-for-profit, public sector, or for-profit, whether it's on your own with a couple people, or in my case, with 44,000 of my closest friends. There's, there's got to be an organization purpose as well. So your personal purpose is you, 
but you're going to work in an organization. So that should have a purpose. And as it turns out, the third circle, the one on the far left, that's your role because you're, you have a role you play in that organization. So there is another set of types of purpose, if you will, that fit around the role. So in summary, the purpose effect, not the steamy novel, but the actual point of this book, it's three <laughs> points of purpose, personal, organizational, and role. And then when each of them have been defined and are enacted such that there is a higher purpose, both in self, in the org, and in the role in which you play, that I call the sweet spot. And so we, as human beings, I hope, are striving for the sweet spot in our life, which includes work, but so to the organization, which is made up of people, should be striving to hit the sweet spot for it, such that it's its goals, it hits its community-driven uh, objectives, it hits its profit targets, whatever the case may be, that's done through a higher purpose by the people who are ultimately living and working a higher purpose. How's that sound? Great. And so my next question though, is why is that so important to have that find and well, find, well seek and find yeah, that, yeah. that higher purpose. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. So a, a couple of ways to answer that. Um, so from, from a sense of self, first of all, there's, there's lots of great research. I think the, the big one to point out here is one where um, some researchers in a longitudinal study that took about 12 years to uh, discover this. So they looked at people over a period of 12 years and they found that if individuals demonstrate a, a sense of purpose in their lives, so this is the personal purpose piece, they in fact have demonstrated a 15% lower risk of death through heart attacks and other ailments that sort of, you know, negate a, a longer life. So mm -hmm. there's, there's actually irrefutable proof that if you live a life of purpose, you're going to live longer and you'll, you'll have less disease. You'll have less issues, if you will, with your health. So, so that's pretty cool. The researchers are telling us, you know, live a life of purpose. You'll live longer. Okay. I've signed me up. That's pretty cool. But again, for, probably 40 hours a week, some people more, some people less, we're working somewhere. So in that, if you want to live longer and just using that one stat, then you probably need to have a sense of purpose in your role at work and for the organization in which you work. So in the role at work, you basically have what I, what I call three types of mindsets. You have a job mindset, a career mindset, or a purpose mindset. A job mindset is you're just in it for the paycheck, right? It's kind of transactional. You're pretty disengaged, if not uh, disenfranchised. And, and that's, that's not going to help you fuel a sense of purpose in your life. So whether or not you, you know, think about the lower risk of death stat or uh, the other pieces that go through health and wellness and the ways in which that you'll carry out a more productive, healthy life, et cetera, that, that's going to have a, a huge effect. Um, now, flip it around, you're in the organization, whether you're a shareholder, whether you're uh, looking for a bonus, whether you're the organization itself and trying to meet goals. As it turns out, there's a correlation between uh, engagement and purpose. And then when, when people have a sense of purpose at work, when the organization demonstrates purpose, that is, they're serving stakeholders, not just shareholders or bureaucrats and power mongers 
<laughs> then, uh, well, HBR um, did a wonderful study, as did, they partnered up with EY, and they proved that those organizations who demonstrate a higher sense of purpose have highly engaged employees, on average 73% engagement. And what we also know is that when an organization is engaged, their business results go up compared to their competitors. So, for example, uh, if you're a publicly traded company and you have a higher level of engagement and thus purpose than your competitor, uh, a study in, that was done in the book called Green Giants found that those companies against their competitors have 12% higher profitability and shareholder return than the competitors. So again, you've kind of, that's the thing you've got, you got to look at this like a Venn diagram because life isn't simple. We're people, we live our life, but we work somewhere. And then some of us are leaders in an organization that are trying to make the organization better, more economical, more profitable, or serving the higher purpose. It's all related. So you kind of look at this as a win-win-win, uh, personal, org, and, and role. Okay. So is it just enough to have a purpose for the organization and for the individual? Or do you mentioned there's a sweet, a sweet spot. So I'm thinking, how do these things work together? Yeah. Well, okay. So let's, let's start this time with the organization. So the organization, in my opinion, uh, ought to be demonstrating what I call the good deeds. And the good deeds uh, is, is actually an acronym. So you kind of think about deeds like, you know, I might, um, you know, rake the leaves in the fall of my neighbor who's ill. That's, that's a mm -hmm. kind of a personal good deed. Well, organizations ought to be delivering this as well. So the deeds for me is an acronym. And it goes as follows. So the first D is that you have to delight your customer or your constituents. So if you're for profit and, you know, you're in, I don't know, whatever, a, a service company, you're, you're making something or you're delivering a good, you've you got to remember that you've got to delight those constituents. And that comes in sort of a, a way in which that you're, you're putting them first. Then the, the second one of E, so de deeds, is to engage mm -hmm. your team members. You need your employees to feel as though they're heard, they're listened to, they're empowered. Mm -hmm. that you, that's that engagement piece, in essence. The second one then is ethical. So how, are, how is that organization being ethical within society? And you know, a good example I can bring up is Volkswagen. So if mm -hmm. you recall the story, quite unethical if you will, when uh, they lied about their diesel emissions testing being, you know, uh, green, if you will. And now you've got all kinds of things happening in that organization from layoffs to disengagement to uh, a horrible um, loss, uh, financial loss. So ethical. Um, number four is to deliver fair practices in the organization because that helps your engagement. So what's a, what's a fair practice? So, for example, should the organization be doing the once-a-year performance management review? Does that feel fair, you know, rated and ranked against your, your colleagues? How does that help, you know, the organization deliver a good deed? It, it doesn't, by the way. Just, right. you know. <laughs> and then the last one is serving all stakeholders. So, to me, what I found through the companies that are delivering this sense of purpose and thus engagement, thus higher business results or public sector results, they serve uh, kind of four key stakeholders. They serve their customer or their constituents. They serve their employees. They serve the community. 
uh, and then they'll serve, you know, whoever it is that needs the return. So for profit companies, it's shareholders or profit takers. And in public sector, you know, at times it's going to be the like the, the citizens. So if you kind of revector the organization to these good deeds, you know, that then allows the employee to choose that company or to stay with that company and feeling as though, well, you know what, they're actually doing more than just trying to drive power or trying to drive budgets or, or, you know, doing more with less or just in it for shareholder return or stock market, or sorry, stock market gaming, you know, then they're feeling good. So if your people feel good at work, that you, you're doing more for society, more for employees, more for customers, more for constituents, you know, there's this sense of joie de vivre that employees get, they feel engaged, you know, and, and then that hopefully helps them live a life of purpose. Because again, 168 hours, we all get a week, 40 are spent at work, 40, you know, um, are spent elsewhere and the rest is kind of sleeping. So it's a fair mm-hmm. amount of time that we're spending at, you know, the place of work. So the sweet spot for me is twofold, right? It's the organization helping employees with their role, but also ostensibly and vicariously through their life. And then vice versa, the employee has a life and then looks to the organization to help impart, hopefully fuel their personal sense of purpose. So that's where the sweet spot comes. So here's an example is, um, uh, Unilever. So mm-hmm. Unilever back in 2009 um, had sort of a pretty anemic employee engagement score. They're about you know low 50s. They had customer sat issues everywhere. Greenpeace was all over them for some of their you know misgivings and misdoings, if you will, in in society. And so they brought in a new CEO. His name is Paul Pullman. And Paul. Um, took a look around and he said, first of all, to the stock market analysts and street, the street, as we say, no more guidance. We're not telling you what we're going to do in terms of uh, our our financial doings. Uh, We're not in it for you. We're, we're actually in it for stakeholders, not shareholders. And so the street kind of freaked out and said, well, what do you mean? You're Unilever. Now Unilever has like 170,000 people across the globe, right? Uh, Employees. And so they introduced something called the sustainable living plan. And the Sustainable Living Plan has become essentially their general DNA, their ethos. And it's, 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 it's their good deeds. Like it's their model in which they're putting their employees, their customers, and the society and community, the environment first. And they have then since, you know, by virtue of rallying around a higher purpose, they have uh, increased their engagement to uh, almost 90%, by the way. Uh, employee wow. engagement score. Their market cap has almost doubled. Uh, their EPS has gone from 1.1 to 1.8. And and it's like every financial metric possible at Unilever has gone through the roof. Their absenteeism is down. Uh, their volunteerism is up. Uh, as I mentioned, their engagement's up. Like, that's, a, that's Unilever. It's like a multi-billion dollar company that decided to change its purpose. And it's now you know, winning the hearts and minds of, of its employees and its customers. So it's possible to turn a ship, even in midstream, where both the employee, who is a person, and the organization can win in that sweet spot model. 
So you have me wondering, though, does there need to be alignment between what the person as, as an individual feels is important, what their purpose is, and what the organization's purpose is? Or is it just enough it, to have a purpose? Yeah. I mean, again, the term purpose can be so nebulous and nefarious even. Um, you're right. So I, I like sort of talking by examples because it sort of almost helps unpack the, the model. Mm-hmm. So um, when I'll, I'll give a personal example. So when I uh, joined a high-tech company in 2002 called Crystal Decisions, uh, was a business intelligence company, and I came in as sort of the head of all things education, learning, ed services, et cetera. And I inherited a gal named Mary, and she was a trainer. And although she loved the organization because we were doing some really cool things in the community, and we, I would argue, had a higher purpose even back then, basically over a three-year period, um, you know, I would work with Mary on, you know, trying to become better in her role and and perhaps happier and more engaged in her role. So she didn't really like being a trainer. We switched her over to be an instructional designer. So making courseware that didn't go so well. A year later, we kind of made her a project manager that didn't go so well. And then, you know, we just basically came to an agreement. We said, Mary is this isn't really for you. Like, you know, you love the organization. That's cool. But you're, you're kind of, you need to go figure out, what you are and who you want to be and how you're going to act. And, you know, this is the wrong role, right? Organization. We could, you know, maybe find something else in the org, but I think you need a whole other vertical. And so we, we terminated her, gave her a contract and uh, a severance contract. And, you know, I worked with her for, I'm still friends with her to this day. Uh, You know, some 10 years later, but she, she went and did a master's degree. She did another's master's degree uh, she went to Ghana. <laughs> she did a bunch of different odd jobs trying to figure out, right, who she was. And finally, you know, she said, oh, my gosh, my calling, my purpose is social work. And so for the past five years or so, after completing that second master's degree in social work, in fact, you know, she moved 5,000 kilometers uh, across the country from Vancouver to Halifax and it has been a, a fleetingly happy, engaged, and prosperous social worker at a hospital in Halifax, um, Nova Scotia. And, and so why I bring up Mary's story is, again, you're right. Not the, like purpose, because it's this Venn diagram, you may have to make a decision to leave the role and or the organization because it's, it's not a fit. And if you're if you're staying for the purpose of a paycheck, then you will be in the job mindset and you will feel as though your organization is delivering quote bad deeds because you're never going to be happy. And I think that's the corollary that I found is that the, 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 like you've seen the data, whether it's Gallup or, you know, a great place to work or Aon Hewitt, like generally speaking, even conference board, like people are dissatisfied at work. Like you've got ranges of, depends what study, but somewhere between 65 to 85% of the planet is disengaged or not engaged in their roles at work. So why is that? So in part, I think there are Marys out there who are, who were, the Mary took charge, right? But mm-hmm. who just sit there in their role and say, you know, I hate this. It's a job or I hate my org, but they're, they're staying put. But 
the, the only 30%, let's say, of the people on the planet working in roles actually have connected the dots between the organization and themselves, who they are in life, and the role. Now, who's culpable? It's a good question. Um, I, I think in part, it's the person. So they're either apathetic or they don't have the gumption and courage to go make that change and that decision to, to move forward. But also, I think many organizations are culpable because they create a, a climate of fear or they're in it just for shareholder return or they're not aspiring to develop and then enact a higher purpose, which could, in fact, create a whole much more engaged people and purpose-driven people that work in the company itself. So I, I find there's equal blame here to share. Sure. Sure. So the show is geared around how do you influence change at work? And so I'd like to ask you, how does the purpose effect help enable change at work? Well, I mean, a couple of reasons, right? I mean, when, when you have an organization full of the purpose mindset people in their roles, you have an engaged org. And then when an engaged org is manifested, you have a very productive and thriving organization, which then whatever, wherever you look, you've got business results. You, and, you know, we've seen it in the public sector, right? So uh, another Canadian example is the city of Calgary. When uh, a new mayor came in and sort of invested a new cultural ethos within that, um, that, that uh, civic duty, if you will, I mean, the place just it went bongo, bongo, like happy. And like, wow, this is great. Uh, you know, just it was evocative. And, and people felt like this is what we've been looking for, someone who believed in us. And it's created all kinds of good repercussions, good events happening inside of that city of Calgary by, by just changing the ethos, by changing the DNA and, and so many more things were accomplished and continue to be accomplished in, in the great city of Calgary. Now, unfortunately, when, you know, the organization uh, continues to believe that power or bureaucracy or, you know, profit mongering is the way in which it should operate, you're, you're not going to get that type of engagement. So how do you change that? Well, you know, you can look at a model like the, the purpose effect and say, how's the organization, first of all, going to serve all stakeholders? Like, what's that organizational purpose? And so one of the changes I think any organization needs to really think about is, who's it serving? Is it in the public sector case? Like, is it, are they even serving the constituents? Or are they serving, you know, let's say, use, use a political example, another term, you know, another four-year term, another two-year term, whatever the case may be. That's... It's not really cool, in my opinion. And then, you know, flip it to the for-profit side. Are they serving, you know, the stock market? Are they serving, like, just a bonus pool? Are they serving themselves? It, so, so here's another example. Johnsonville Sausage. So I like sausages. I don't know if you do. Um, sure. Our family loves them, right? They're a great little company in, uh, in Wisconsin. Yeah. So, like, almost a year and a half ago now, they had a fire in one of their plants, and it put 120 people out of work of making sausages. Now, it was accidental fire. No one was hurt. It was, it was cool. Um, but, you know, after about a week of doing the cleanup, these 120 workers didn't have anything to do because they couldn't, like, put them onto another plant because there was no room and et cetera. 
So interestingly, because this organization arguably has a higher sense of purpose, you know what they did? They took the 120 people and they yeah, there you go. They took the 120 people and they said, look, we're going to keep you whole. And if you're kind of wondering what whole means, well, first of all, they continued to pay them their salary. They said, even though you're not able to make sausages, here's what we'd like you to do. We'd like you to spend 20 hours a week volunteering in the community, you know, cleaning up garbage, building parks, playgrounds, whatever. And then also for the other 20 weeks or 20 hours a week, sorry, we, we want you to learn. And so we're going to teach you, you know, you want to learn guitar or English or French, like they, they learned. And this went on Heather for 13 and a half months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So they didn't fire 120 people. They kept them whole. That's a good deed. That's serving all stakeholders. And, and that's what I'm getting at. You imagine now this company of about 1,600 people, you know, 120 of them, uh, almost 10% of the workforce, right, were, quote, out of a job. But no, they weren't because, you know, the company took care of them. And you know all too well that there are far too many companies, the change that they would make would be to fire them and then go build the new plant and then, you know, maybe hire them back or hire new people. Right. That's bad change, right? The, the change that I think we need is why are we here? Like why, why is a business in business? Why is, why is a political shop, uh, you know, a, a, a citizen's unit, a, a, a not-for-profit or a public sector organization, why, why are you here? <laughs> is it for power and title and elitism or, and, you know, uh, more money? Sure, we want to get paid, but is it to serve? And I think we've kind of lost our way. So to, to answer your question more bluntly, the change that's required is to change the why of why we're in business and why we're in an organization. And now you flip it around to the employee or the personal side. So too, we ought to be defining the who we are, what we're about, and how we're going to show up each and every day. And one change strategy I suggest is what I call the declaration of purpose. And so this is a simple kind of one, two line sentence that we should all be making up for ourselves. So we, we have our, uh, I guess I call it North Star. And I think too many people are running around life not knowing what they're about, who they are, and how they're going to show up every day. And if you can think just, if, if, if your HR, your learning teams, or you just did it on your own, were to help people see, look, it's really important to have a personal declaration of purpose, that will help you see through whether or not the, the organization is the one for you or the role is the, the role for you. Mine, if you were going to ask, maybe you were, I don't know, uh, is we're not here to see through each other. We're here to see each other through. And so that's, that's been my, yeah, it's been my North Star for 20 odd years now. You know, I'm in the, you know, the leadership space. I'm in the helping others space. Like that's always been me. That may not be yours. It may not be someone else's, but you know, declare who you are, what you're about, how you're going to show up every day. And it's going to help you, like Mary, make these decisions. It's going to help companies like Johnsonville, you know, do the right thing when they have a catastrophic fire. So there's so a couple of change someone, strategies. How can someone find, help someone else find their role purpose in an organization? Oops. Yeah, that's, I think that's where some culpability lies with leaders. I think they've really 
uh, lost the mark. And although, you know, arguably some are doing a really good job, but you've, you've got to ask like human questions, you know, right. How, how was the uh, soccer term this weekend with your son? Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't like these types of questions about being human then lead to self-discovery of that individual. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a responsibility of leaders to act more human and to engage with their team members to find out their dislikes, their likes. And it, we, we treat that relationship so transactional. We treat it as though, you know, we own the employee and we're telling them still like Taylor did in 1904, like what to do with a stopwatch and how fast to do it. That's not life. That's why we have disengagement. So leaders, if, if there's a call to action here, it's to act with humanity and to, to open up the dialogue about purpose with employees. It's, it's not that hard. Yeah. Well, great, Dan. Uh, where else can people find more information and uh, where can they find your book as well? Uh, well, th- I always forget about that stuff, eh? Um, <laughs> That's why I'm asking. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, uh, the easiest thing, I suppose, is just uh, head over to www.thepurposeeffect.com. So there's a microsite for the book, and people were even wishing, wanting, willing to uh, purchase a copy. There's lots of places off of that where you can find it, but um, lots more details there, I guess. www.thepurposeeffect.com. And they can find a link to connect with you as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Twitter. I'm at Deepontufarak on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram. Have a lot of fun on that now. And, uh, you know, do lots of YouTube videos as well. Have lots of fun. You know, social's cool. Great. Well, Dan, thanks for being here. My pleasure. I mean, um, I love the work that you do. And uh, and Clary's got some great things going on. So really appreciate the the offer to chat. And uh, I know that you have a higher purpose already, Heather. Thank you. No problem. And thank you for listening to the Influence Change at Work show. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including individual coaching, team workshops, and upcoming training events, please visit Inclaria.com. While you're there, sign up for the monthly newsletter and receive 12 free templates from my change management toolkit, the Irresistible Change Guide. Until next time, best wishes on your change initiative. Take care. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. They're our best bags yet. And they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. They're our best bags yet. And they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. 